This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Blood on the Rocks. I'm your host, Akshay Taylor, and today I'm joined by my housemate, the lovely Hannah Barton. Hello, everyone. My name's Hannah. So, do you want to say a little bit about yourself? Um, Yes, I'm Akshay's housemate. I'm very into gore, uh, sci-fi, horror, paranormal, anything like that. Um, Yeah, anything else? (laughs) No, it's good. Basically, we're just huge nerds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's essentially like the gist of it all. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what are you going to be telling me about today? So, I am going today. Uh, today, going to be talking about Lizzie Borden. She was a not quite convicted. She was acquitted. Um, axe murderer, and she murdered both uh, her father and her stepmother back in 1892 in Massachusetts, America. Good choice. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and who doesn't love a bit of axe murder? Mm. Okay, meanwhile, I'm going to be talking about um, someone uh, called Rana Valona the First, who was basically the queen of Madagascar um, for a good period. Uh, she's often called the female Caligula, or um, the Mad Queen of Madagascar. So, uh, I mean, if you're going to be a queen, be the Mad Queen. Mm-hmm. Don't be one of those good queens. That's boring. Yeah, I mean. She definitely had an impact. I mean, it's, it's the mad ones that go down in the history books. This is true. So, that's the one you want to be. Oh, yeah. Wait, so, uh, that should be fun. I get to say so many long names. <laughs> and I get to enjoy you attempting to say them. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be an editing disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, what are you drinking today? Oh, I am drinking, uh, or I'm being fancy. I'm drinking Red Square, which is energy drink and vodka. And it cost £3 from the corner shop. Excellent. <laughs> I've currently got a, a very fitting ale called Beheaded Strong Ale Wee. with an axe on it. That'll do. Seven point five. It's topical. Yeah, and I've also got Goliath in just Ooh. in case. For all of you D and D players out there. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, so we are going to cut to. Ooh. So we're going to cut to promos. This week it's for Nature versus Nurture and Cult of Domesticity. Hey guys, I'm Heather. And I'm Rochelle. And And we're we're from from Nature Nature vs. Narcissism. A true crime podcast mixed with some dark humor. Sometimes we have alcohol. Sometimes we have guests. Since I've always been fascinated by true crime, I wanted to delve deeper into the criminal mind and discuss why these criminals commit these vile acts. Was it nature? Was it nurture? Or was it just plain old narcissism? Join us every week for a brand new episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and Podbean. Don't Don't call call the cops! cops. Bye! Bye. Hey, Courtney. Hey, Ashley. Do you love hearing about true crime and history and other fun stuff? Oh, you know I do. 
Well, good, because that's what we talk about every week on the Cult of Domesticity podcast, so I'm glad that you enjoy it. Oh, I probably should have known that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Tell them where to find us. Well, we're available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, and other fun places. New episodes come out pretty much every Thursday. So be there or be square. All right, and we are back. So I normally give people a choice. Do you want to go first or should I? Uh, I'm new at this, so you can go first, and I can I can see how a true professional does it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, this is going to be a ride of pronunciations. <laughs> so I'm going to be talking about Rana Valona the First, um, who was born in 1778 uh, under the name of. <laughs> Okay, so a name. So she's born under the name of Robert. Okay, Roberto Andrianum Point. Roberto Andrianum Pointemarina. You did it. <gasps> okay, you did it. Like a pro. Okay, Roberto Andrianum Pointemarina. Okay, I keep putting a T in there. That's fine. Okay, but that's fine. I, one of them must be right. I can edit it after. <laughs> also known as Ramavo or Ranavalo Manjaco the first, and she was basically the queen of Madagascar between. 1828 and 1861. That's a long time. Hmm. It's a good. It's a good run. Yeah. She was born at the royal residence of Ambato Manona to Prince. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, my. oh dear! This is a sentence. <laughs> sorry, sorry to anyone out there who's from Madagascar who's listening. Who's going oh. to get offended by these pronunciations? Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! Okay, so. Prince Andrian Salamanjaka and Princess Rabado Andrian Tompo. I think I think I think you nailed it. I think I got that. <laughs> Though her father was actually originally just a peasant. He went up in the world. Yes, and basically because when she was a pretty pretty young girl, uh, her father somehow somehow um, realized that there was a assassination plot against the king, and warned him about it. And basically, he was pretty happy he wasn't going to die. So, um, King Andriana Poina Marina, I'm going to get better at this over time. <laughs> There's a few names for different people, and one of them is this, and I fucking. Andriana Poina Marina Andriant Simatovium Minandrium Panjaka? Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> At least I'm not going to try that one. <laughs> like, I have enough terrible pronunciation on this show. This is, like, is going to be a new drinking game for this episode, is that every time we mess up the pronunciation of someone's name, take a shot. You oh, will man. be wasted. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, just take a sip, you'll be wasted. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, the king was pretty happy he wasn't going to die a horrible death. Yeah. Um, and was like, okay, you're promoted. You're not a peasant anymore. <laughs> Level um, up. <laughs> and basically, um, yeah, basically let Ravo, who I'm going to, which one I'm going to stick with now, <laughs> and basically let her marry his son uh, as his first wife out of like 12. And basically declared any child from them two would be the first in line in succession after his son. Not a bad jump. Yeah, it, it could be worse. Despite her rank among the royal wives, uh, she wasn't the preferred wife. Didn't get and didn't give many children, so uh, no. I mean, like uh, back in that, back in those days, was not having children really that bad? 
Like, isn't that all you really had to do around then? <laughs> like, <laughs> just have kids. Yeah, but, like, you're probably going to, like, this is going to sound really mean, but you're probably going to, ha- like, die having those kids in, like, 1778. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, upon the king's death in uh, 1810, Prince Radama um, succeeded his father as the king and followed the royal custom of executing a number of potential opponents um, among Romavo's uh, relatives. So she wasn't very happy. And one of my, um, I really enjoyed the Wikipedia page for this because, um, it's, because it says an act that may have strained their relationship. Maybe. Just, I mean, a, a little bit of murder might have just, you know, annoyed her a bit. Yeah, might have. <laughs> so, so yeah, she wasn't so happy her relatives just got killed off. Um, one hell of a marriage counselling session. Yeah. And she and once again, because she wasn't really the favourite, she was pretty neglected and spent most of her days socialising and drinking rum uh, with the missionaries around it. I mean, minus the missionaries, that's what I spent my free time doing. A bit later on, on July 27, 1828, Radama died without leaving any descendants. Some say it was syphilis, some people say it was uh, some of the disease, uh, some people say it was murder, and some right, a lot of people say it was her that killed him, but nothing was really proven. So because of that, the, so the rightful heir was basically a guy called Rakatobe, who, who was the eldest son of Prince Madama's older sister. A lot of people basically just think, um, sh- yeah, she poisoned him. <laughs> I mean, it kind of sounds like he deserves it. Yeah. Although that is not advice for anyone out there. But yeah, he died in the company of two courtiers who were pretty favourable to the succession of Rakatobi. Um, but they decided not to report his death straight away because uh, there was kind of scared reprisals for, for being involved in denouncing one of the king's rivals who had a stake in the succession. <laughs> right. So they're like, yeah, this ain't really cool. So uh, instead they didn't report it and another high-ranking military officer called Andrea Mamba found out the truth and collaborated to support Removo's claim to the throne instead. Um, basically, they hid her away and one of her friends in a safe location um, and secured support of loads of power breakers in the city, including judges and stuff like that, um, and basically rallied the army, army behind her. Um, and it was so well done that when she declared herself successor, um, there was... Very little resistance. <laughs> Women power! Like, uh, I, apparently there were some... I did... It's not my notes, but I did read that... Um, like, there were a couple people that, of the bodyguards were that were like, well, this ain't really cool. <laughs> so, basically, that was, pretty, that was pretty fixed by spears. I can imagine most problems with ascending to the throne are fixed with spears. Spears are normally a good solution. Even today, I don't think I'd argue with someone with a spear. <laughs> like, no, no, I don't think I would. I think more so today, because I think it'd be weirder. This is true. So when she took the throne, she took the name of Ranavalona, which meant folded or kept aside. Um, Very poetic. And once again, followed the royal custom by systematically capturing and putting to death all of her political rivals, <laughs> including Rakatobi, his family, and other <laughs> members of Radama's family. Damn. Much like he did to her family, so, uh, <laughs> you know. You know what they say, an eye for an eye. So, yeah, and her coronation took place on June 12th, 1829. So, yeah, she was doing quite well for herself at this point, and became the first female sovereign of, of the Kingdom of Imarina, which is basically the kingdom, same thing as Kingdom Madagascar. Yeah, so since its founding. Like, there were some female rulers before that, um, but when the when this kingdom got founded, that, that kind of stopped. Uh, like, right. in some of the... Poor women. 
Yeah, it was basically so basically female rulers were quite common along the among the um original inhabitants of Madagascar. But basically that ended with the reign of the last queen and her successor, uh, who was a, who was a son. So she was been the proudest mother. Oh, proud mummy bird. <laughs> um but yeah, so she was doing quite well. But this wasn't so good for a lot of people that she was ruling. I mean, like, the people she murdered? <laughs> oh, no, it was more than that. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, um, good. So, yeah, um, she had a 33-year reign, and basically it was pr- pretty much characterised by uh, trying to strengthen her authority over the, the island, um, basically trying to get rid of European influence. Okay. Because at this time, there was a lot of England and France fighting over this area. Uh yeah yeah yeah. The first few, the first days of her reign basically brought a lot of rumors of heavy violence and stuff like that. I'm not sure if rumors is the right word for it, but <laughs> and it's very hard to tell between because a lot of a lot of the um, accounts are from Europeans who didn't like the Madagascans. Yeah, so they're a bit um bit biased and a bit skewed. I mean, at, at the same time, some of it is definitely true. <laughs> like it's just hard to tell which it's just, bits. It's just undeniable facts for some of it. Yeah, it's just some bits. It's hard to tell which bits are true, which bits aren't. Because they're all terrible. <laughs> I mean, so, it's, uh, it's all bad. <laughs> just, just yeah. all of it. Like one of the things was uh, basically to apparently to express mourning for a departed husband, she declared every person uh, had to keep their head shaved for ten months. With pretty much the only exceptions being the nation's professional mourners. I have heard of like professional mourners, like I can't remember what it's called, but they used to like hire people to come to like funerals and to cry extra loud. Yes, I do know that one. I can't remember where it. No, I can't like, remember either. I can't remember where that's from though. Um, but yes, that is definitely a thing. Yeah. But yeah, basically, they, apparently they were only spared because so that they would have hair to tear out with their crying. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you gotta do your job. Yeah. And she kept his body on display for for weeks with around the clock slaves keeping the flies off. Uh, so that's that is not a job that yeah. anyone wants. No, and apparently she made it illegal to dance, bathe, play music, sleep on a mattress, look in a mirror, or clap your hands, with the punishment being sla- selling into slavery. Apparently, so she was not all there is what I think we can uh, mm. conclude from that. But at the same time, I think this is one of the things that were from the Europeans. I'm so not it might sure. have been slightly exaggerated. I, I, this is one of the things I think was more the Europeans. Right. But at the same time, that's very specific. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a hell of a thing to make up. Like, mm. you know, it's so crazy it must be true. Yeah. The French weren't so happy about this either. So a few months later, they they uh, launched an attack on one of the port cities within the, within the kingdom, but they were turned back with because most of their assault t- team were killed with either guns or malaria. I mean, malaria will do it. Yeah, basically, malaria really fucked up most of the, most of the invaders here. Like they were, like they tried a few times to try and make headway, right. but malaria basically fucked them up every time. <laughs> so apparently, um, one of the things she did was cut off the heads of Europeans that were dead. Uh, from these invasions and impaled them on on pikes uh, before lining them along the beach as warning. It was Europe back in like what the 1700s, and, uh, 1800s. Yeah, I believe this. I believe I got this one from uh, Badasses of History, which has a great which has great wording <laughs> for it because I I believe because afterwards like I believe for this it was to anybody dumb shit enough to screw with her. <laughs> but that's a direct quote from the website. <laughs> I love it. Also, Badasses of History sounds yeah. amazing. Uh, it's something along those lines. I can't remember right now. But yes. 
if you if you Google her name, it comes up. So, but anyway, off to a good start. Europeans probably deserved it. It's fine. I mean, you're not you're not wrong. <laughs> Europeans, I mean, uh, us as Europeans, we did a lot of bad stuff that we deserved yeah. to get punished for back then. Yeah, it's like. I mean, when and you know when there's a joint British and French force, nothing nothing good comes of it. <laughs> Britain Britain was never known for being nice to other countries anyway. No, like I said, she took more steps to basically get rid of European powers, ending friendship treaty with Britain, um, and and slowly increasing restrictions on missionaries. She basically uh, kept policy of, and tried to become make the country self reliant, uh, which which was made possible through frequent use of. Uh, one of the traditions they have, which is called Fanon Puana. Okay. Uh, which is basically forced labour instead of tax payments for mo- Okay. Uh, in money or goods. This but this, this forced labour could include military service or anything like that as well. Okay. Um, so she raised a pretty good army uh, using this, about tw- twenty to 30,000 soldiers. Damn, girl. That's a lot of people. <laughs> and strict punishments on anyone that was against her will. <laughs> And one of the ways that she basically controlled the army from revolting was basically if people weren't against it, she just make them force. She just forced marching through uh, marches that were, that were covered in malaria. I mean, malaria. This, what I've learned is this country back then was just all about malaria. Yeah, basically, if, if she didn't like, she'd just be like, "Okay, your your part of the army is just marching through the lowlands full of mosquitoes." Please, please, just uh, take a dip in my malaria tank. Yeah, the government was doing pretty well. Managed basically. By developing it, she could uh, let the Marina Court govern provinces across an island, which which is I'm not sure if it's true actually because I've, I've just I've written it down, but I was like that's that doesn't I'm not sure if that's right. Um, apparently, bigger than the Netherlands, Belgium, and France combined. Wow, which is that? It can't be right, surely. I'm not sure. What? Like I really should have looked this up, but I didn't. <laughs> So we're gonna have to deal with this. Research is important, people. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot here, so I was, so I was trying not fair. to put in. T- I was trying not to do too much because there is a lot about her. She sounds. She sounds like an interesting individual to be yeah. fair. And yeah, she had a lot of advisors from the, um, which were all from the aristocratic class, pretty much. And her first chief advisor was a young officer called um, Andriam E. Hadja. Uh, who served as the first minister from eighteen twenty nine to thirty, and basically, and is was quite like to have fathered her only son, Prince Ricotto, um, and later King Radama II, who was born eleven months after the death of his official father. So, um, bit of a discrepancy here. Yeah, because <laughs> well, babies take nine months. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> um, Stay in school, kids. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, he was basically the leader of her court's pro- progressive faction, who basically favoured maintaining relations with Europe, like the previous ruler of Radama had. And the conservative faction, however, was led by two brothers called Rainer Maharo and Rainy Haro. Very similar names. <laughs> original. <laughs> yeah. Um, and basically, the latter was being one, the official guardian of one of the most powerful Sampi, which are basically talismans. Uh, believed to embody and channel the supernatural powers of kingship, which is very important to the Marina p- people. It's so like a lucky charm, then, I guess. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like um, it's, they, it's very um, important spiritually to the pe- to their people. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, like since the since at least the 16th century. Oh damn! So uh, a few hundred years these been these been the thing at this point. So not bad, but yeah, basically um, they didn't like 
Andrea Mahaja's uh, progress- progressive influence, uh, of, and they didn't like the Europeans very much, so they conspired to kill him. And basically, if they did it, they actually managed to succeed. And they did this by uh, basically getting her really, getting the queen really drunk, and getting and signing his death warrant. Wow. <laughs> Um, what for, for, <laughs> yep, for charges of witchcraft and treason he's got to be haunting her um, and um, yeah so he was immediately captured in his home and killed and following this death uh, the progressives basically lost a lot of their influence and the conservatives just wrecked the ship and basically so Ravelin ended up married to the uh, the conservative figurehead Field Marshal Rennie Harrow um, who was the guy that held it at that talent oh yeah yeah um, With the brother who had the pretty much the same name as him. Yes, at least and who basically remained her husband until her death in eighteen sixty one. Decent run. I said she was reigning for thirty three years. I think it said. Yeah, so most of her reign actually at least yeah. about thirty about thirty years almost. Um, and then he he served as prime minister for um, most of that as well uh, before he was exiled to the royal to the royal city of Ambo Himanga for his part in a plot against the queen's son. So which. Exile seems nice for that. In comparison to what happened to everyone else, uh, Exile, I think I'd take that. I think her son was a lot more reasonable, though. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> He was like, look, my mum was crazy. Well, yeah, so at this point, she basically overturned all of the previous king's uh, stuff, because he was trying to really cozy up the Europeans. Right, uh, yeah. Because he liked the weapons. And I, stuff mean, like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him. But yeah, so basically at this point, they're pretty self-sufficient apart from the weapons. Um, but after one defeat to the French, they she basically located one of the French guys that basically knew how to make uh, artillery and stuff. So she was like, "I'll give you stuff. I'll give you the materials. You make my weapons." And then they were self-sufficient <laughs> like, <laughs> with this one French guy. Basically, <laughs> this one French guy just sat in a room, just sobbing and just making making these weapons. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least he wasn't dead by shipwrecking. Because that's not fun. That's true. <laughs> um, or by any of the other ways. <laughs> Whatever other horrible things happen to these poor people. <laughs> basically, back to the army, which uh, basically kept getting sent on expeditions to neighbouring neighboring provinces to basically take, put them under their thumb. Went in there. If anyone resisted, there were harsh punishments, with ma- mass executions being very common, um, and slavery also being very common. <laughs> so this could be... I think that there, there were a lot of things I read, like, there were... I think there was like stuff like beheadings, crucifixions, stonings. Just you know the the usual. One of the fun ones I've read was um, they'd get four people and shackle them together, and when one died, they just have to kind of drag the other you know, corpse around because they wouldn't get rid of it, and they, did, like, oh. they just have to they just have to be shackled together until they just died. That's awful. That's yeah. kind of like being a human, like in Toy Story you're like carrying the toys around and they, when, they turn, when they turn limp oh no that's amazing but yeah so um, not a great way to go no no was, definitely was, not I think what else can I remember there was also they just put you in a burlap sack and hang you from a pole until you died oh no, I don't think I heard of that one yeah there was another interesting there was another interesting one for um, which was after they outlawed Christianity um, they got a lot of people that was practicing locals, not the Europeans. The Europeans were allowed to practice Christianity. Okay. Uh, because they were like, we can't just go around killing Europeans. Like, they were, they were, <laughs> All like, of Europe. They will fuck us up. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, so basically what they did, hung, they hung them from a branch over a cliff from ropes, and basically if they didn't repent, they just dropped them onto the rocks. They cut the ropes and dropped them. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> 
Just say you did. Yeah, I mean... Although I'm not particularly... Spiritualism um, was very big around I was here, say, so... I'm not particularly religious myself, though, so... Um, like, that would be... <laughs> why I feel that way. Yeah. I can imagine if you actually thought that your god would, would smite you and send you to hell afterwards, you would, um... Be a bit more reluctant mm. to actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, apparently, approximately one million slaves entered the kingdom of Imarina from coastal areas between 1820 and 1853, which is a lot of dudes. That's a lot. And um, according to someone called Gwyn Campbell, who was a, who's basically a Madagascar historian, the number of non-Marina who died in violent conflicts uh, during the military campaigns of her and her predecessor from 1816 and 1853, uh, between then, uh, was estimated about 60,000 people. Though a lot more were killed not in battle uh, because of famine, disease, and scorched earth policies. Scorched earth policies? Yeah, basically they just burn all the crops. Oh. (laughs) I mean, that would would screw over most people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the soldiers also had a high death toll, which was estimated about uh, 160,000 between 1820 and 1853. That's a lot of people. Yep, and a further 25 to 50% of the soldiers uh, died because they were stationed in the lowland areas uh, because of malaria and other diseases. That's a lot of people dying from disease. Yeah. Okay, this one of the more interesting things that um, she would use to um, control people. It's not even sure it was controlling people at the, at the rate it was used, though. Uh, basically, it was, the, it was called a Tangina ordeal, uh, which is basically a, trial, uh, a kind of trial by, by ordeal. Uh, kind of thing, where, which is what basically the main way she can, um, she would maintain order. And basically, there's like a, a shrub called the Tangina shrub. Uh, basically, get one of the nuts from it and extract a poison, which, when ingested, would cause vomiting and possibly death. Right. Yeah. This is rumored to be what she used on her husband, <laughs> um, which is why I think that's one of the things that the Europeans might have made up, because. If she used it all the time, they'd know about it. <laughs> yeah, surely someone would be like, mm, can you take that away from her, please? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, basically, um, if someone was uh, accused of... It's not normally like treason or witchcraft and that. There was a lot of witchcraft stuff, um, accus- accusations around here. Basically, they'd, they'd be made to eat this, uh, this poison, even. And three pieces of chicken skin. Um, basically, very specific. Yes. And basically, because uh, it would make it throw up. If right. all three pieces were, fr- were thrown up, they'd be innocent. If they didn't manage for all three, or they died, they'd be guilty. <laughs> so it's kind of like what the, the witches when they would um, throw them into the rivers, and it's like, if you drown, then you're innocent. It's like, I don't really... No, neither of these outcomes are particularly nice for me. Yeah. Although throwing up is significantly better than drowning. Mm, I mean, I'm not sure, because the, po- the poison is to be quite yeah, painful. Yeah, yes, that's <laughs> like, true. Because it wasn't just... You know, it's like, you it wasn't just, just like vomiting. It was, yeah, it yeah. was just like... Because it was an actual poison. Yeah. It probably like the effects would probably last a while afterwards as well. Yeah, because it was rumored that uh, her husband, when he died, it was so, like he was in so much pain that he cut his own throat. <laughs> but that's that's also why I think that was the Europeans that made it up. <laughs> yeah, because that seems a bit much. <laughs> that's I mean that's over the top, but she seems to be quite an over the top dramatic woman. This so. is true. <laughs> she was going pretty out there and basically um this ordeal was believed to be like a sort of divine justice and the public had their unquestioning faith in it um even to the point of accepting a verdict of guilt when uh, people pretty much definitely innocent like i wouldn't want to go against her though no it, you know, not, it wasn't even because of her it's because it, it was said to be like divine justice oh, right they were... so it was like so to just be like to quote from 
uh, one of the pages, a just but a noble divine mystery. So yeah. And residents of Madagascar could were allowed to accuse one another of various crimes, including theft, Christianity, and especially witchcraft. And on on average, an estimated twenty to fifty percent of people who went who went through this ordeal died. And basically, in the eighteen twenties, around the start of the reign, it caused about a thousand deaths annually. And between eighteen twenty eight, well, before her reign, it was about a thousand deaths annually. After and between eighteen twenty eight and eighteen sixty one, it rose to about three thousand. It just tripled. Uh, per year. Yes, but in 1838, it was estimated that as many as 100,000 people died as, as a result of this ordeal. What? <laughs> so that was about 20% of the population. That's just, that's a fifth <laughs> of your population just gone. Yep. This was outlawed in 1863, but it kept being practiced secretly and open in parts of the, in the main kingdom and well, openly in other parts of the island. Even. That's crazy, there's a fifth of your population just dead because of this there's a reason she wasn't the most yeah yeah right. yeah <laughs> another thing she did was uh repress christianity like i said she made it outlawed yep um she still gave, gave missionaries free reign like in the printing press exempted anyone that was working on the press from military service as well and basically and they were allowed to print religious materials and everything so basically it became pretty established in, the fir- in a small group and basically this is why she outlawed it because she was like people were attending all these church services instead of going after their own beliefs and it was drawing people from all social classes which was the main issue including nobility oh right like even some of these sampi guardians and they were basically the the main people in their culture so they were like no christianity go home <laughs> so yeah she banned all christian marriages church services baptisms for for any local people and anyone that was found would have to go through that ordeal damn of course the europeans were okay this they were allowed to be christians so they, yeah. so they, 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 they used this loophole to keep converting people right <laughs> But basically, um, if they were caught, they would be put to death anyway. Yeah. But but for the most part, most missionaries left. Like basically, by the year after this decree, that all all the missionaries were gone. Yeah, I guess the whole. But po- it was long enough for Christianity to be become a thing, though. Yeah, I guess the point of missionaries is that they go and they try to convert people. So I guess if it's now illegal for them to convert, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not much point. Yeah, they didn't really want to be killed, so they were just like, "We're going home, bye." And now we get to basically the end of her reign, where she so um. Towards the end of her life, she designated her son as her successor, and Rainim Maharu, who was her husband at the time, yeah. uh, basically kind of re- uh, knew about his progressive leanings, uh, being conservative, and um, went and basically tried to make her nephew uh, come to power instead, which would be why he was later exiled. And basically, uh, she died of old age, actually. It's quite peaceful compared to everyone else. Yeah, which is surprising like i was yeah. reading through all this and i was like okay she's gonna die horribly someone's gonna isn't get she? vengeance or uh, no she died in her sleep uh, in her palace uh, and so yeah and twelve thousand zebra which was like cattle with a hump uh, were slaughtered and their meat was d- distributed to the populace in her honor and the official mourning period lasted nine months her body was laid in a coffin made of silver piastres which are coins and during her funeral uh, spark ignited a nearby pile of gunpowder, uh, which was made for use in ceremony, causing an explosion and a fire that killed a number of bystanders and destroyed three historic royal residences where the event was being held. But yeah, so basically, um, in eight in 1897, uh, French colonials would basically uh, disinter and move her body to another tomb. And basically, by this point, okay, now we got a few stats here. Okay, so there were a lot of people dying around this time, like military um, campaigns yeah. and work and. 
the um, force and the labor um, instead of tax and order just or the yep. harsh justice. Yep. Um, so Mad- the population of Madagascar is said to have dis- declined uh, between 1833 and 1839 from 5 million to 2.5 million. That's half of their population just wiped off the map. And in the kingdom of Marina, uh between 1829 and, eight- and 1842, from 750,000 to 130,000. That's a big bit of their population. Yeah. That's, that's huge. But also, you're telling me that even at her funeral... She was responsible for the death of others. I mean, she was dead. It wasn't her fault. <laughs> like, yeah, directly blamed However, that, that is an interesting point because oh, God, no. um, after her son uh, took over and abruptly reversed most of her policies, <laughs> um, a widespread epidemic of to quote spirit possession uh, spread throughout uh, Imrina following uh, his conversion to Christianity. And this was properly attributed to the outraged spirit of Ravelin the First, and this was basically because of a disease which I have not written down. It wasn't malaria again, was it? <laughs> no, but it was. Um, well, it's gone now. Okay. Okay. Well, we tried. Okay. Well, uh, it was because of a disease which basically caused spasming and stuff. Uh, what mean cholera? It was. Um, well, cholera is used to. Uh... Yeah, something that basically was a kind of disease that caused spasming that made them look like they were dancing. That's not what the French had, was it? Yeah, I believe it's very similar to the Dancing Plague. Yeah. Of um, something or other. There are a lot of big names. I, I've been frazzled. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, you've done a good job. But yeah, so that was basically Queen Ranavuna of Madagascar. So, any last comments? <laughs> um, she sounds like a badass. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, okay, on that we will... Take a break, cut to music, and yes. then we'll be back with the story of Lizzie Borden. Yay! Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back. So, we're about to pass over to Hannah with Lizzie Borden. But first, one thing I did miss out about, um, you know the original king, um, what's it called? Oh, what's the fucking name, shit. Oh, the one that had the assassination against him. Yeah. And Andrian of Point and Marina, or the one with a really, really long name, which, which you pronounced <laughs> and I didn't. So, um, yeah, the, the, the king um, beforehand. Basically, he was... Known as a cultural hero and holds near mythic status among the Marina people, uh, being considered one of the greatest military and political leaders in the history of Madagascar. I probably should have added that. Probably, but also you should have added his picture is amazing. That guy's got, that guy's got legs for days. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, anyway. Okay, now let's pass over to Hannah and. So, tell me about Lizzie Borden. So, for those of you who aren't familiar with Lizzie Borden... I am not, really. 
I know the basics. <laughs> That's good. I shall I shall learn you a thing or two. Excellent. <laughs> learn me good. So Lizzie Borden was an American woman. Um, she was born July nineteenth, eighteen sixty. Um, she is infamous for allegedly murdering her father and her stepmother. She was raised in Massachusetts in America, and apparently the house that they occupied is now haunted. Um, it's kind of like an American touristy site now. Like they've. I do like a good haunted residence. <laughs> Who doesn't, to be honest? So in the, in the house, they've preserved an awful lot of what was still there. Um, the sofa that her, uh, her father was found dead on is still there. I'm, I'm assuming cleaned up. I'm kind of hoping cleaned <laughs> up because, as I would describe, he died a horrific death. I just, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> I'd hope so. <laughs> Same. So um, in the Borden house, there were multiple murders of Abby Borden and Andrew Borden. Andrew Borden being her father and Abby Borden being her stepmother. Some of you out there might be familiar with the rhyme. Do you know the children's nursery rhyme about Lizzie Borden? No. So it goes, um, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. And when she'd seen what she had done, she gave her father 41. Well... It's a bit of an exaggeration. There weren't, there wasn't a total of eighty-one wax. However, there was a total of twenty-nine. Eighteen in the stepmother and eleven in the father. Apparently, she went to town. She, she went for it. <laughs> when she went for it, she went for it. Like she knew what she wanted. She know, yeah, she knew what she was doing. And that is, of course, assuming that she uh, actually did it. There are a few uh, theories out there. However, the strongest theory is that she actually did just kill them. Okay. Um, there are a few others. They don't sound that plausible. The murder took place on August 4th, 1892, in the house in Massachusetts. It's Fall River, Massachusetts. Uh, if you ever want to go visit there. I'm, mm-hmm. sure, it's, I'm sure it's lovely now. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Apparently, that day was actually boiling hot for a Massachusetts day. Something ridiculous like over 100 degrees Fahrenheit or something. So about, what, 13 degrees Celsius? <laughs> Whatever. Okay, that wasn't right. What? No, I, I, actually have, I actually have no idea how the conversions work. No, same. America, um, Americans have weird Maybe it's so hot, I, I assume in the 40s. I'm assuming so. Apparently it was so sweltering hot, though, that at 20 to 11 in the morning, her father decided to take a nap on the sofa. I mean, I do that on a normal day. (laughs) (laughs) Just on a casual day. Uh, Apparently it was so sweltering hot it made him feel slightly ill. Um, And so he took a nap on the sofa to, I guess, chill himself out, but not in pyjamas. He just slept in his full suit. I mean, (laughs) to be fair, I've done that before, but I was really drunk. Different. Uh, slightly. He might have. It was 1892. He might have actually been drunk. Mm. <laughs> for all, for all we know. So um, the murder was actually, or the bodies were both founded by the maid of the house, who was known as Bridget Sullivan, although she apparently was also known as Maggie. I'm not sure how you get Maggie from Bridget, but you know. Um, she's apparently she was the maid of the house, and she was also upstairs having a nap after uh, washing some windows. She just. Done. She, everyone in this house naps apparently. It was really common then. I don't wait, know. I don't wait, know. so what was her relationship to the family? She was the maid because they were really wealthy. Should the maid really be napping? <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> know. Like, I mean, like, I'm not sure that's a job, job description. Just nap whenever you feel like it. Oh man, <laughs> if I can get paid for napping, I'd be like. Oh. But she, to be fair, she did just finish washing the windows of what uh, I think is quite a large house back in like 1892, like by hand. So, fair like, enough. She deserved a nap. I mean, to be fair, I'm not against naps, but I'm just like... Hmm. <laughs> Questioning her motives for a nap. <laughs> um, apparently, at around about uh, 11 o'clock, she woke to the screams of Lizzie Borden, who shouted, and I quote, Maggie, come down, come down quick, 
father's dead, somebody's came in and killed him. Hmm. So like someone just walked into the house. <laughs> Hmm. And the site, by the way, was not not nice. If you want to go, if you if uh, you're curious, you can go and look at the image of the body. It's oh. it's black and white image. So it's not that great, but he does kind of look like this is going to be a weird way to put it. Bloody porridge. Oh, how there's I a picture. Can, is how I can yeah. You can see he looks like bloody porridge. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's not great. That is not a good way to go. No, um, 11 blues to the head. It was apparently using a hatchet, although I think it was supposed to be with the handle of the hatchet, like the blunt end, like bashing his head in, not the actual accent, oh. the bladed end. That's even worse. I think it's more like a smashing more than a chopping, from like, what I can tell. I would much prefer to go by slashing than bludgeoning. But here's the thing. So um, after like an hour and a half after ma- the maid came downstairs, people, the police came around to the house to search for evidence to look around, and they found that there was no blood around the house, and there was no sign of a struggle. So eleven hmm. whacks into his head. He didn't struggle. Well, like, do you feel? I guess like, like the first one must have killed him, then, right? I don't know. Like. like Surely, like if if it was, if he was still alive, you'd assume by whack two or three he'd wake up. Yeah, I mean, at least the f- I think I, mean, I reckon I'd wake up after the first time getting hit by next. I reckon you would, wouldn't you? It's quite, it's, it's quite sobering, I'd think. Yeah, he must have died by the first one, surely. Yeah. So um, it actually turns out that when the um the maid came down and Lizzie asked her to go get some help for the father, uh, don't know what help they could provide. Uh, she came back with the neighbour. And Lizzie said something along the lines of, uh, I think mother, I heard mother come in, um, or the stepmother come in, uh, could you please go upstairs and check? Uh, the maid went upstairs with the person she brought over, which I think was their neighbour, and they found the body of the stepmother up on in the guest room on the floor, again with her, like face down, again with her head bashed in, mm. assumedly with the uh, blunt end of a hatchet. Why would you use the blunt end? <laughs> I don't know, it seems less effective in my opinion. It's not very intuitive either, you know? Like, no, it's no. Not what you, it's not what your mind goes to. <laughs> you don't, like, hold it from the blade and then... Like... <laughs> and then go for the blunt. Like, when you hold... Pick up, I mean, picture it if you... Like, picture it, like, if you have a hand... Actually, your hand the wrong way. The blade is pointing at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want that on a normal day. No. Like, I know you would not. I'd be scared of tripping and falling. <laughs> yes. I would be terrified of that. I'm the... Cl- I'm so clumsy. <laughs> I'm I'm guaranteed to impale myself on that. Yeah, so during the investigation, apparently there was just no blood anywhere around the house. Even in the guest room, there wasn't mm. much blood. And again, there was no sign of a struggle, which kind of assumes that they were both asleep at the time. On the floor? I don't know. Huh. That was kind of the weird thing. One of the uh, weird things about this case that obviously made it popular, other than, you know, the double murder, um, is that the fact that the, it was 1892, so I guess it that's uh, part of it. But... Um, the amount of evidence, like physical evidence, was very minimal. That's really weird. Yeah, you would have think an axe murderer would uh, leave more behind. Especially, I mean, I'd also assume that blunt force oh, but, death but, yeah, would yeah. be like messier. Yeah, I mean, I'd assume that would like paint the room red. You, yeah, you would think so. But um, the physical evidence that was sort of found, a lot of it was dismissed. Mm. So yeah, so August fourth, uh, Abby and Andrew Borden die or they're murdered um and then two days after the papers start to report the evidence that um they think 33 year old lizzie borden is the number one suspect she definitely did it in their opinion so that's what all the media are saying she's responsible for her parents uh, murders 
And apparently they thought that the motive could be um, money. Okay. Because uh, apparently a, f- a few years prior to the murder, Lizzie had gotten into an argument with her stepmother about her father purchasing a house for her stepmother's uh, sister, I believe, instead of for Lizzie and her, uh, her sister, mm. Emma Borden. Um, and apparently at that point, Lizzie stopped referring to her stepmother as mum and instead referred to her as Miss Borden. And apparently they had uh, a bit of oh, a rocky yeah. relationship anyway. I mean, to be fair... Fair. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like, like a shitty thing to do. Like, ignore your... And obviously, we weren't there. Ignore your own daughters and instead buy a house for your wife's sister. I mean, if you're married into a family as well, you're just like... Surely you should look after your kids. Yeah, yeah. Like your new kids. Yeah, definitely. But apparently, uh, Andrew Borden himself was worth... Uh, the, uh, the equivalent today is about 10 million US dollars. Holy shit. Yeah. They were wealthy. So some people think that she killed him, so she uh, she was actually in the will. Um, so they think uh, she murdered him to get the money. Because a few years after uh, their death, and after Lizzie was acquitted, herself and her sister bought a house in the country. Which kind of felt like a big middle finger, probably. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, like, 10 million. <laughs> that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I mean, especially if you didn't think you'd be getting all of it. You just be like, I'm spending all of this right now. Yeah, although apparently Lizzie claimed in court that she had uh, no idea that a, she knew that a will had been made a few years ago, but she had no idea what was in it or what was mm. part of it. Like I said, there's no real physical evidence for this case. There's an awful lot of uh, he sh- he said, she said. Okay. Um, so she might have known, but we don't. There's no evidence so to guessing, suggest otherwise. Yeah. So I'd assume when the arguments was like, that's a rough way to go. I'm just like, yeah. I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just thinking it's about not, it. Like, like I said, you can you can see the pictures online. They're a bit fuzzy because they're from 1892, but um, they are they are grim. Mm. They are disgusting. I mean, I've seen some rough pictures in my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, side note, uh, my character in my ro- most recent LARP is called Lizzie Borden. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I named her after Lizzie Borden. And okay, then- <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and then I also found out that they're making a Lizzie Borden movie that's being released this year. Hmm. Honestly, the reason I know about Lizzie Borden is because someone on Twitter uh, has their handle with Lizzie Borden. <laughs> um, that, follows my, that follows the podcast, and um, I think they've got part of the, they've got like the first line of rhyme in the in their description. Hey. <laughs> hopefully they like this then. <laughs> I mean, hopefully they listen. Yay! If you're listening, thank you. <laughs> like, we love you. No, don't. That's creepy. <laughs> well, I love you. She went. <laughs> I'm not here all the time, I don't have to. So on August the 9th, so uh, what a week, barely a week after uh, the murder, the whole uh, situation was being seen in court um, and they questioned Lizzie for four hours. Four hours in court. That seems short. Do you reckon? Yeah. (laughs) A little bit. Apparently during her examination she gave really confused and conflicting answers but according to their family physician because they were so rich they had a family physician he was prescribing her morphine mm. and this was 18 like 1890s where morphine was an over the counter drug along with cocaine and opiates so i can't even imagine that they were having like tiny amounts of it she oh, was probably man. like off her tits. Yeah, prescribed morphine in that, <laughs> prescribed t- in that time. Morphine. In that time has been ridiculous. <laughs> a lot of people credit her confused answers and her um, mismatched answers about what happened to the fact that she was probably high as a kite on mm. morphine. Uh, it was horrible withdrawal. Yeah, exactly. 
That was, I mean, especially when she was arrested, I'm kind of assuming yeah. she, they didn't allow her access to the medication or anything. Yeah, like, she must have gone through withdrawal for that whole thing. Yeah, that must have just messed her up even more. Which is assuming she wasn't already messed up if she did kill her, mm. you know, parents. Yeah, so two days after the original court case, they arrested Lizzie. And the next day after being arre- arrested, she sent out a statement saying she was not guilty. Mm. Um, because, you know, a lot of people would deny murder. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's quite a common <laughs> yeah, thing, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd assume it definitely was in London as well. I'm, it's yeah, I'm, I'm assuming so. Mm. It's America in 1890s, I'm assuming yeah. it's the death penalty. And then later that month, on August 22nd, uh, Lizzie returned back to Massachusetts because they, um, she took a jail car out when they arrested her. Well, she didn't mm. take it willingly, obviously, they, they put her in one. Yeah. So she turned back to Fall River for her preliminary hearing, and at the end, and this is something I love, the judge said, she's probably guilty. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, probably. Because obviously it was the first of the preliminary hearings, so they had to go through a lot more, but he was like, meh, she probably did it. That guy did not give a shit to me. <laughs> like, no. Either that or he was just like, I don't want to say she's innocent. No, he's like, so um, he said, she's probably guilty, and... Uh, forced her to be fa- uh, face a grand jury for these charges um who else would do it well i guess if, it, if it's going to jury i guess he can't he's not allowed to just say it no um that's why it just makes me laugh he's just yeah. like eh, she, she did it I, I guess he's not allowed to straight up say it before, <laughs> before it goes to jury he added the probably just to make it safe for him yeah she had a really uh say really long it's not really that long the grand jury meet was actually in november so it was not actually that bad, mm. considering. So was she in custody at the time? Uh, yeah, she was. I think she was arre- like still arrested yeah. in jail that whole entire time. So at the first meet of the grand jury, they actually refused to leave so any sort of indictment. Um, so they reconvened a little bit later with some new evidence. And by evidence, I mean uh, just just a witness, no real physical evidence. The witness was Alice Russell, who was a family friend, and they, uh, she stayed with the two sisters, yeah, Emma Borden and Lizzie Borden, days after the murder. I'm assuming to comfort them. And Alice Russell stated that she saw Lizzie burning a blue dress. And on the day of the murder, she was seen wearing a blue dress. And Lizzie claimed that this blue dress had old paint on it. Mm. But she was just burning a dress. Was it old red paint, my <laughs> Just It just looks like blood, I swear. It's not, not Wait, blood. Would the maid not have noticed some kind of, like, clothes stains? Well, it's a really weird thing. Like, it's apparently one of the theories, um, one of the, con- I guess, kind of like a conspiracy theory, I guess, is that um, Lizzie Borden and uh, Maggie, the maid, were actually lesbian lovers. Um, that mm. they um, both conspired to murder the fathers so they could be together. Right, and I'm sure that went down well at that point in time. Well, there's actually no evidence for this, ever. Yeah. So it's just, I think it's just people on the internet just, like, fan fiction writing, I guess? The only evidence, really, from what I could find, is that Lizzie once said she had a crush on an actress. That was it. Find me, find me <laughs> one female that hasn't said that before. <laughs> I know, I know. What? And if they do, if they do say that, they're lying. <laughs> find me one guy that hasn't said that before. Exactly. I want anyone. <laughs> I don't think I've said that before. I don't really do that with celebrities. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the whole burning her blue dress and then the statement from uh, Bridget Sullivan that uh, Lizzie was actually wearing a blue dress on the morning of the murders. They uh, figured that that evidence was enough to convince the grand jurors to indict Lizzie for the murders of her parents because she was wearing a dress and then burnt a dress. I mean, like, it is um, evidence against her. I wouldn't say that's enough to convict her of murder. I mean, to be fair, burning a dress... 
That's pretty suspicious. Burning a dress would I would count as evidence. Being seen in one is different. Yeah. Like, Although apparently um, on the day of the murder, there was no, on the dress that Lizzie actually had, there was no stain on it. Yeah, you would have noticed that. Yeah, like, and also it's like back in those days. Well, 1890s, the dresses that women had, they couldn't just, she couldn't go upstairs and just get changed. Kind of like all the corseted and the laced and all oh, the really yes. fuzzy to put on dresses. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like, we've really difficult to change out of that all of a sudden without help. There's definitely something weird about <laughs> something this. Something fishy, something fishy. Uh, like, this is an interesting case. I was surprised I didn't hear about this before. No, it's a, it's a really good case. Um, most, I mean, obviously the interest is partly in the gore and partly in the fact that the trial was just so all over the place, really. Mm, like, and like, tra- even like oh, 100 or so, actually over 100 years later, we still don't really know who killed the Bordens. Yeah, that's really interesting because um, I thought the murder would be the most interesting part. For me, it's the trial, actually. Yeah, the, the trial is, is like genuinely interesting um, and Lizzie's behaviour in it is quite interesting. So that was all, like, all the stuff I was just talking about, that's like the preliminary trials, like the grand like jury and stuff yeah the actual trial period really started june 5th 1893 okay um it's about a year afterwards um so she was brought to a courthouse for a panel of judges um who obviously would then really convict her because she's only indicted beforehand not convicted Mm. apparently there's a difference so the dress that i was just talking about was used as a piece of evidence the burnt dress um and of course they would have like all the evidence laid out uh apparently when the person who was prosecuting Lizzie took out her the blue dress, he actually knocked over a piece, or like not over some fabric that actually revealed the skulls of the mother and father that were presented as evidence. Oh, that's that's <laughs> rough. And apparently, Liz, uh, Lizzie was recorded as uh, falling faint for like several minutes at the sight of you know human skulls that she knew. Yeah, that she knew. That is rough. And like, that's a, only a year later, and I'm no expert. But like, would the would the skin really have completely rotted by then? I don't know if there'd be skeletons, but like, maybe. I, I guess if they were kept in certain humid conditions, maybe they would have rotted away properly. But yes, apparently it just caused shock across the whole entire courtroom because they'd suddenly knocked over a couple of skulls. Reasonable. <laughs> of the people who, of the victims. Oh man, that is not something you want to do in a show. That was been that's very embarrassing. Yeah. I yeah. I'm feeling secondhand embarrassment for someone that probably died like hundred years ago. Yeah, and then like and then this prosecutor then for like however long it was, I think it was like two hours for the rest of the trial. Uh, for, like he was then just blaming her for the murder, talking about like her motives and her ability and the opportunity to commit the double murders. Mm. And then he pulled uh, from a bag obviously from the evidence, the head of the axe that he claimed Lizzie used to kill her parents. Mm. It was a hatchet that was found in the basement. Weird thing is, the hatchet was clean. It was a handleless hatchet, so no uh, no actual wooden handle that was, would have been used to bash okay. the heads in. But the hatchet was clean. No blood, apparently. Wow, this trial is... Like, <laughs> it's a mess. Everyone in this trial was on morphine, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Like, morphine, cocaine was also an over-the-counter drug, so, like, everyone was just doing lines. Mm. <laughs> just everyone. Also, apparently, another one of the pieces of evidence was that the day before the murder, she'd gone, uh, Lizzie had gone over to the pharmacy and uh, attempted to buy... Not sure she was attempted to buy or she actually bought a bottle of poison, okay. which is a prissic acid. Which apparently is can be used as poison. Okay, I don't. I'm not familiar with that one. Um, I wasn't familiar with that one either. Might be an old name for it, maybe. I think so. Yeah, but that evidence, of, uh, I think, was a uh, dismissed for, for some reason or another. So again, physical evidence, 
Although some people think that could poison it could be why there was no struggle. To be fair, that's not a bad... Uh... It's not a bad idea, but I think there was other evidence that just completely dismissed that. Was it proof it was used in the first place, though, is the issue? No, it wasn't, because obviously in 1892 they didn't really have right. all the forensics, uh, yeah. forensic abilities. If there was proof that it was used, yeah, then sure. Yeah. That would definitely, you know, incriminate her heavily. Yeah. But apparently there's also a lot of weird back and forth about Lizzie's relationship with her stepmother. Some people were saying that everything was fine with her, Lizzie and the stepmother. Yeah, no. then the actual maid was saying that uh, there was a rumoured ugly relationship between her and her mother, or stepmother, which obviously we, we think is obviously due to the um, money issues, mm-hmm. which is kind of fair, to be honest, I'd say. And apparently the maid also testified that the father and stepmother had experienced stomach pains on the day before the murder, which obviously could be related to the prussic acid. A lot of other weird things happened in these uh, in these trials. So the physician, when he came over to the house, he was trying to ask, obviously, Lizzie about what happened, what was she doing, did she see anything? And she claimed that she was actually out back collecting some irons, which are supposed to be like these lead sinkers for use for fishing, apparently for a fishing excursion that was going to be happening soon. Okay. But bearing in mind that it was also so hot that her father went for a nap and she was outside like, collecting iron at least for 15 minutes in those really heavy dresses. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes isn't the longest though. That's true. Like, if it was like an hour, I'd be like, yeah, that's not great. Yeah, that's but a bit weird. 15 minutes, fair enough. Yeah. Like, I can deal with 15 minutes. But um, when they actually, at the uh, trial, when they actually cross-examined the physician, they, he did actually state that, um, yeah, like, her funny memory could just be the fact I gave her a fuck ton of morphine. Mm. Like, that was his thing. He was like, yeah, yeah a little morphine. That's it. <laughs> just, just a hint. Um, almost a bit of evidence that came up is, uh, again, from Alice Russell who stated that Lizzie went to go see her the day before the murders, like the evening before the murders, to state Mm. that she was going on vacation soon because she felt, and she quote, that something is hanging over me. I cannot tell what it is. Ooh, that's not great. (laughs) That's not good for her, to be honest. That's not great. (laughs) That's not. (laughs) Yeah, she said, "Um, I feel afraid something is going to happen. And she said she wanted to go to sleep with one eye open half the time for fear somebody might burn the house down or hurt her father because he was so discourteous to people. Uh, that's not... A, that is <laughs> no, no, not... No, 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 it's not. Like, I, I, like till now I was like, oh, maybe I don't, I don't know. And that is not a good <laughs> sign. <laughs> She's going, like, essentially bitching about her, like, parents to her friends. Yeah. Like, in a quite an ominous way but that's, as well. But that's not just bitching at your parents. It's like being like, someone might do something which I'd involves... I'd hate for that to happen. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a real shame, right? <laughs> like... It'd be so bad if something actually happened. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I was talking about? Obviously talking about quite a bit about the morphine. Apparently that's actually one of the reasons as to why the case got acquitted. It's because it was thought by... The, the three judges who were on the panel said that um, her testimony was so full of contradictions and implausible claims it could not be submitted into evidence. They were like, she's just, she just sounds too scatterbrained. Or also, something. three judges? Yeah, three. That seems it's excessive. a three-judge panel. I'm assuming something similar to a jury would be, I'm kind of guessing. Oh, it might have been different right now, I guess. Yeah. I guess it probably, like, yeah, fair enough. I might just think that judges are rarer than they are. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much in conclusion of the case... One of the uh, judges said, There is not one particle of direct evidence in this case from beginning to end against Lizzie A. Borden. There is not a spot of blood. There is not a weapon that they have connected with her in any way, shape or fashion. I just got that bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, 
That's a really weird case. It is. Um, there are a few other potential suspects. One of them was being Lizzie's uncle, who was actually st- uh, staying as a guest in the house. And he was the brother of Lizzie's actual mother. I think his name's like John... John Moore? John Morse? John Morse. Like, okay. Morse code. I think he was a potential suspect, but not entirely sure what happened with this case. I don't think much followed up from it, because again... There was not much physical evidence. The most amount of physical evidence really was that the stepmother was found in the guest room, which is where he was staying. But he was actually out at the time seeing mm. um, his sick, uh, no, their sick niece or something from like the other side of the family. The family received a letter saying someone was sick and he was out at 9am or something seeing them. So he wasn't, don't think he was even in the house. That's really weird. It is, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this movie now. That's mostly the state of the case. I mean, go check out the pictures if you want to see something really gruesome and gory. Mm. And then if you're American, you can go see the house itself. 92nd Street, I think it was. And if you're rich, you can fly us out to see it. Yay! I don't think I'd want to, to be honest. I'd I'd like that, I think. I think I want to go see it. It's in, yeah, 92nd Street in Fall River, Massachusetts. So if you're in America, especially Massachusetts, you can go visit the house. Mm. It's meant to be haunted, isn't it? Yeah, apparently it's haunted. Yeah, it's like, I'd love to go see it. Obviously, like, yeah, ghosts are supposed to be from, like, um, I, vis- uh, vicious spirits or vengeful spirits or something. Yeah. I love I'd, haunting stories, they're great. I'd love to go to a haunted uh, uh, house. Okay, I'm curious. Do you believe in ghosts? Um, I am not a big believer in ghosts, no. Okay. I'm a big evidence person, so if you don't give, like, I've never had evidence for ghosts. And the evidence that there is just looks all fake. I've always been the person that wants to believe in ghosts, but I'm Hmm. not sure I do. It'd definitely be interesting, but, um... Given evidence, I'd be straight there. I'd be like, fuck yes. (laughs) Yeah. But I do have two experiences, which I was like, I'm... But I, I can't tell if I was just young, but I... Uh, Mine were young. (laughs) But I strongly to be a memory... Like, one I would put down to sleep paralysis, because it was just like, I just woke up and I, and, like, the, and I could hear shit. That's terrifying. But the other one is the main... The, the, the first one is the one that I can't tell, because basically, I woke up, and there was deep laughter around the room. Deep, deep laughter. Like, could have been recording or what, but it, this, this is like in 2003, maybe 2002, so this is like before it'd be very easy to do it. So we would have been, what, eight? Phones weren't even flip phones. Yeah, no, they weren't, were they? (laughs) That's how old we are. (laughs) Like, the the first phone I got was in 2006, and that that would barely play anything. Oh, my first phone I had wasn't a flip phone. It was one of those, like, it was like a a slide-up. It wasn't even that. Mine was just... A brick. A brick, yeah. (laughs) Basically, I was staying in the same room as my grandmother uh, that night, and... She woke up as well, and she started yelling. That's terrifying. So, we, so it definitely wasn't just me, which is why I was. Which is why I'm someone that's like, if I experienced something like that as an adult, I'd believe. Oh yeah, that's fair. Because just because it wasn't just me. <laughs> <laughs> so the only thing I've had is that I think when I was in like year five, would have been what two thousand and five, nine, mm. nine years old. Um, I was like in a classroom and it's like during lunchtime at like primary school. And I was with my friend, we were like practicing for something so we were in the classroom. I turned around, I thought I saw like someone in the doorway and then they were gone. So it's definitely not really a ghost, that's probably just a teacher. Maybe, but who knows? Who really knows? Like, honestly, I would love for ghosts to be real. I'm not, I would love that because I'd just be like, 
that is so much so many implications interesting ghost story actually happened to my mum okay um so she used to work at um, a care home for elderly people um when she was she was like 14 or something she was really quite young and she was mopping up the kitchen floor at some point and she heard something she turned around and apparently she saw a woman mopping in like old victorian style dress mopping the floor after her and she turned back around and then no one was there that's pretty crazy that sounds like bs but like Thing with my mum is I think she was uh, I think she was doing a night shift so mm. it just could have been like really really tired to be fair is there, is there only that, there's a one in particular which I'm not which I just can't explain this thing just that one because yeah. remember these are all three these are in the same house <laughs> so um, Lizzie Borden uh, yeah was, was that everything I think so yeah okay awesome well in that case uh, we will cut to the music and then we'll be back for an outro and we are back so um that was lizzie borden and whatever i was talking about So yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Would you like to plug anything before we... Or just give any shout-outs? Um, not unless somebody out there is looking for someone who can code in artificial intelligence. In which case, no. But if you are, please hire me. I need a job. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, in that case, just a a few shout-outs. Uh, once again to Nox Arcana for our intermission music. A couple podcasts I've been listening to. Cabin Nightmares, who do like look some... Really short two to five minute stories, like bite sized creepy stuff, and and also I Heart Dead Things, who this week also released a well, well the week of recording they released a episode on black metal history, but, so if you didn't get enough of my one, uh, I definitely recommend it because they did they took a perspective, um, they went for a broader brush so you get a lot more of the general scene i went quite specific with uh, mayhem so yeah you know all the murders and church burnings and whatnot <laughs> good shit and um what else what else what else got a patron coming up uh, that i'm looking into and social media stuff um we have facebook facebook.com slash blood on the rocks twitter at the bloody rocks email Podcast at gmail.com and I think that's everything I, I always forget something but for now that's good enough you can edit it back in afterwards I'm not going to be I'm not I'm going to be too lazy to do that but, <laughs> so for now that's good enough and thank you for listening hope you enjoyed it I will see you next Tuesday but but but